Okay, so today we're going to just dive right into Ezekiel 37. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 4, looking at verses 1 to 14, though. And so it's a bit of a departure from what we have been doing in the book of Ezekiel in that we're just going to target right in on this particular section where there's this really interesting question that God asks Ezekiel that I'm not confident any of us would really have a great way to answer. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 4. And if you don't know where Ezekiel is, in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. Please use it. It's there to just be an encouragement and to help you find where things are. And by using it, you're going to become more familiar with where things are. So, Ezekiel 37, verse 1 to 4. Here's what it says. The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This seems like pretty strange stuff. We're going to dive right into it. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for today, and I thank you for our time together. And I pray, Lord, that as we're looking into your word, that we would be a people whose eyes are open to see what you have for us, whose hearts are open to you, and whose ears, Lord, are open to hear what you have for us today. In your name I pray. Amen. So, asking a question, can these bones live? That just seems like a crazy question, right? I mean, if you've been anywhere, or actually, if you're like me, I actually like the whole concept of uh, eating meat off a stick. Like, <laughs> Janet and I, when we went down to Disney World for our honeymoon, we walked past this barbecue pit that was doing these enormous drumsticks. And these drumsticks, I think they were turkey legs, actually. And, and the idea of being able to eat the meat off of this bone, you know, it, it just felt like such a carnivore. And, and, and the idea of only having this bone left and being asked, can it live? I mean, my, my answer is simply, well, obviously not. If you, if you walked anywhere and you've come across any kinds of remains in terms of bones, animal bones, that kind of thing, you, you know these things can't live again. And so Ezekiel is dealing with a question from the Lord that seems strange to the reader, except that God was making a point here, right? God's asking man, people like you and me, specifically asking Ezekiel, here are these bones that I've just had you walk among. Can they be made to live? And Ezekiel's response is, Lord God, you alone are the only one who can know. No one else is going to be able to know whether or not this is going to be able to happen. And certainly not likely within the imagination of Ezekiel is this something that could happen. So the question itself may seem ridiculous to us, right? But of course, dry bones can't live again, and no further discussion is often even necessary. I read about three friends that were discussing death, and one of them asked, um, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? Well, you know what, this is an interesting question, right? I mean, what, what would you want people to say about you at your funeral? Well, one of the friends uh, says, 
I would like them to say that this was a great humanitarian who cared about his community. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds great, doesn't it? The second guy says that he hoped people would say that he was a great husband and father who was an example for many to follow. Yeah, you know, that's a great way to be remind, remembered as well, right? He's this great husband and father. Well, the third person said, I would like him to say, look, he's moving. Okay, lame. I know. But kind of funny, right? We go to funerals. We don't expect people to get up at the funeral. There was a letter that was reportedly sent in Indiana Department of Social Services uh, by the Indiana Department of Social Services to a person who had been receiving assistance through their organization. The letter read as follows. Your food stamps will be stopped in March because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. And you may reapply if there's any change in your circumstances. Now, that might sound funny. Um, and that obviously is the point. But we know that dry bones don't live again. We know that when they pass away, they don't typically live again. Certainly within the scripture, you read of resurrection accounts that, that have taken place, both Old and New Testament. But this is not the norm, right? These, that's supernatural. It is not the natural thing that takes place. Dry bones don't come back to life. And there are so many dry bones all around us. Lives that have been parched by the heat and the storms of life. Individuals that have been overwhelmed by the circumstances of life to the point that life has been stripped from their existence and everything seems hopeless. This is the context of Ezekiel 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. You see, Judah, this is the southern kingdom. Uh, if you'll remember from previous messages that we've been talking about, Judah is the southern kingdom. It is the uh, amalgamation essentially of Judah and Benjamin, these two tribes coming together. And when they come together, there is this hope that they were going to be God honoring, but we find that out of the 20 kings that they had, most were did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God was going to bring discipline to Judah. And so Judah goes into exile. And so they lose their land. Jerusalem falls, so they lose their holy city. The temple falls, so they lose their center of society and their understanding of what it means to have God dwell among them. Everything that they had counted on had fallen apart. Circumstances changed, and circumstances were definitely changed in Israel. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, right, present-day Iraq, sent force against Jerusalem, the southern kingdom of Judah, and the city and the temple were burned. Israel's life under its own king came to an end. And Ezekiel's vision of these dry bones is got within its background this idea that the hand of the Lord once again fell upon Ezekiel, time and time again, we see the hand of the Lord falling upon Ezekiel and, and granting him these visions. And so in this particular vision, or it, in, in talking about it this way, it's Ezekiel's way of telling us that somehow and in some way the Lord appeared to him in a vision. And in this vision, Ezekiel is put in the middle of a valley, a valley that is full of human bones that are baked white, on the desert floor. 
A large army has been defeated here. Buzzards had done their work. The sun had bleached all of the remains. There was nothing left. It was desolate. It was lifeless. There was no hope. And this is the indication, of course, that Israel is dead. That she is dead as far as those dry, as much as those dry bones were. And in fact, the people in the despair of the exile identify themselves with these dry bones. They actually say to one another in Ezekiel that our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. That's Ezekiel 37 verse 11. They felt like skeletons picked clean on the floor of the desert. As Ezekiel surveys this incredibly gruesome scene, God asks him this surprising question, right? Like, son of man, can these bones live? In the Hebrew, the question is phrased in such a way that the only possible answer, of course, is no. And I would suggest to you that it's not that different for us in the English, right? Like somebody comes to you, they hand you a set of bones, and they say, hey, can these live? Well, the obvious answer for us is no. And the obvious answer for Ezekiel here is no. But he says, no, God, these bones cannot live. And it's interesting, right? Because when Ezekiel is looking at them, these are white, dry bones. They're they're bleached in the heat of the sun. The wind has long since sucked out all of the moisture. The marrow is dried up and it's dead. The bones are now old and chipped and cracked. So no, God, these bones... These bones, this, this field of bones that you had me, this valley of bones that you had me walk through? No, God. No, these bones, they can't live. That's the answer we'd expect. Right? I mean, that's the answer that we would give, and that's certainly the answer we would have expected Ezekiel to give. But it's not the answer he gives. Ezekiel says, O sovereign Lord. So in saying this, like we just got to park on that word sovereign for a moment. Oh, sovereign Lord, oh, the one in control, the one above it all, the one who holds it all together, the one who sustains everything. Oh, sovereign Lord, like that God, the one who's above it, the one who creates it out of nothing, the one who sustains it, the one who can give life, who can take life, uh, all of that, that sovereign God, you alone know. That's verse 3. God dramatically shows Ezekiel his power over life and death. And he does so in this two-stage act. So the first stage of this act, God tells Ezekiel to preach to the bones. And I imagine myself, you know, I try to imagine myself in that spot. Like I'm just there and and, and God says to me, preach to these dry bones. And I'm thinking, man, what what do you say to dry bones? How do you interact with that? I try to imagine myself at a pulpit but in the pews in front of me are nothing but dry old bones. And then God said to me, Son of man, preach to those bones. you got to be kidding me, God. You want me to preach to dry bones? Like, what are they going to do with this message? Nothing. They're dry. They're dead. There's nothing here, Lord. What am I doing? Why are you asking me to waste my time and my energies and my thoughts on these? Ezekiel listens to God and he preaches. And the results are amazing. The scattered bones begin to clank and clink and rattle. They move towards each other and they're joined together forming these human skeletons. Miraculously, muscles and flesh are fitted to each skeleton. But they're still dead. 
You see, they have a form of life, right? Like they, they are, they're bound back together and the structure of them is there. But they're still dead. And God commands Ezekiel to speak to the wind, addressing the four corners of the earth. The prophet calls for the breath of God to blow over the bodies and give them life. The breath of God to blow over the bodies to bring them life. And he speaks, and it happens. The bodies stand up, they're alive. There's this army where moments before they'd only been this dry, bleached bones. Does this vision remind you of anything? It should. It reminds me of what we read in Genesis. There's a similar two-stage act. You see, this first stage, we read about how the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And so man was formed. He had the structure. He looked like something. But he wasn't yet alive. In the second stage of act, we read how the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And only then, listen to me, only then was Adam a living being. Only then does man become a living being. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And in this valley of dry bones, Ezekiel witnesses God's creative power at work. What God does here in that valley is the same as what he did on that last day of creation. When he made man. That's amazing. God's promise of new life. And so what's the meaning in this vision? Well, the key to understanding this particular vision, it rests in in this breath of God, the Ruach of God. The breath. Ezekiel's use of this word translates, listen, as spirit in verses 1 and 14, and as breath in verses 5, 6, 8, 9, and 10, and winds in verse 9. But the Hebrew language, the same word is used every single time. And so what's happening here is that God's forming together these dry bones that were lifeless, they had no structure, they were crumbled, and He brings them back into the structure that they're supposed to be in. But they are nothing still. They are still dead. There's lots of activity around. There's noise. There's movement. But there isn't life. And when the Ruach comes in, being described as the blowing of the wind. It speaks of breath or breathing. And it tells us about the work of God's Spirit. And we got to conclude that Ezekiel's strange vision points to the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. That is what makes these bones live. God's Spirit in them. God's breath in them. And you may ask, well, what's the purpose of the vision? Well, to Israel and Ezekiel, who are full of gloom and in a state of despair and depression, the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones is a message of hope. It's, it's a, to Israel and to Ezekiel, who have watched the death and destruction of their land. You have to understand, like this is 25 years in the making of watching their land be overtaken by foreign nation, of their city being decimated, their temple being crushed. The vision of Valley of Dry Bones is a message of encouragement. To Israel and Ezekiel who identify themselves with dry white bones, the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones is a message of good cheer that God is telling them, hey, 
Like we're not done here. And you might feel like we are. You might feel desolate. You may feel dry and withered and crumbling. But we're not done here. There's this wonderful life that God is going to bring their way. This new life that God is going to bring their way. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones is a promise to Israel of better things. That's what it is. It's a message of restoration. It's a call back to Him. Right now, the smoke is still rising from the remains of the temple and the palace. Jerusalem's walls are in ruin, and the skeleton of Israelite corpses litter the countryside. Yet new life will come and flourish. In other words, everything that they counted on, though being decimated, and and the life of living out this faith in this community of the Lord feels like it's devoid of life now. The notion that they're weak and brittle and crumbling, that there's nothing left of them. That is something that was so overwhelming. And so in the midst of all of that, and you got to remember, this wasn't just like a one-month thing that all of this stuff took place. Sometimes we read the Scripture as if things just happen rapid fire here. But we're talking 25 years of a prophetic ministry for Ezekiel from the point that God calls him and, and shows himself to him in Ezekiel chapter 1 to all of the warnings, all of the, the punishment and the, and the discipline that Israel was going to be under, the the punishment on the nations that were coming against Israel, the restoration language that comes. We're finally here where there's a specific message saying, listen, I see you, and I see that you're dry. I see that you're crumbling, and I see that you're not alone in this because all of you are. Remember, it was a valley of dry bones. It wasn't just like one corpse. It was an entire valley of them. And he says, yet new life will come and flourish. So do not be discouraged. Do not give up hope. Do not let despair take over. That is part of the purpose of the vision. You see, prior to this, Israel was kind of living its own way, and it did evil in the sight of the Lord. God takes away all those things that Israel counted on, and he says, look, now the only thing you got is me. And he's saying in the midst of that, in the midst of all the despair and and the world crumbling all the way around them, he's saying, listen, keep your eyes on me. Look here, right? We do that with our kids. Look here, look here, look here. This is what he's doing. He says, look to me because as you do, and as you turn back to me, I'm going to remake you. I'm going to be breathing my breath of life back into you. So do not be discouraged. Do not give hope. Do not let despair take over. What an amazing message to a people who felt nothing but despair. What an incredible message of hope. And we see the fulfillment of this promise in the Valley of Dry Bones in Judah. They were given a promise of new life. And then 50 years later, in 538 BC, the first group of exiles under the Persian Empire are able to head back. I believe it's under the Persian Empire. are able to head back to Jerusalem. A second and a third group of exiles returned in 458 and 444 B.C. 
And we can read about this in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And Nehemiah even gets to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The people return to the land of Israel. They rebuild their cities and their farms. They restore the temple. They once again become prosperous. A people who were dead like dry bones were once again made alive through the power of the Spirit. And at the end of time, when everything is finished, we're going to see another fulfillment. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead will rise. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 The sea will give up the dead that are in it. The death and Hades will give up the dead that are in them. There will be a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones will come together, bone to bone, tendons and flesh will appear on them, and skin will cover them. And God will put into them the breath of life, that they will come back to life and stand up on their feet, a vast army of them. This has taken us back to this vision that he had of the dry bones. So let me ask you if you've noticed how God brings dry, lifeless bones back together. He brings life by the Spirit and through the Word. That's what happens here. The prophet speaks or prophesies the ruach, or spirit, blows and enters in, and the dry, white, brittle bones come to life. By the Spirit and through the Word, He is describing the process by which we're born again. He is describing a regeneration. He is describing a method by which we come to faith and repentance and conversion. You see, there's something beautiful that God does when, when we have the the preaching, the preaching of his word, the prophesying of his word, right? Like this, the notion of prophesying is not this idea of fortune telling. It's the idea of bringing to people the word of God. And so we have the word of God. We bring people the word of God and the Holy Spirit works with that. And he moves in people's lives and he regenerates people. Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14 is, uh, is a theme passage for us as a church. We live in the Pemina Valley, and uh, we didn't really make any strong connection to this passage in terms of a, a personal connection to this passage as a church, um, and, and in, in terms of intentionally. But I was doing devotions one day back in 2009, and in doing my devotions, I came across this passage and started reading, and I literally just began to weep as I thought about the Pemina Valley. You see, there are people who are living lifelessly. They're brittle, they're dry, they're exhausted, they're without hope, they're crumbling, their world around them is crumbling. Everything they used to count on, they can't count on anymore. And it's as if the only thing they've got left is the one thing that God wants there to be at any given point, and that's Him. And so there's this sense that, that we've been given this mission of a call back to God to help those far from God come to know life in Christ. That's what this looks like. To be far from God could be any of us. Maybe, maybe you're a person who's been a believer all your life and you do believe in Jesus, but you just don't feel connected to Jesus. We would say that that's a person who's far from God and needs to come to know life in Christ. 
or maybe you're a person who just never accepted Jesus at all. We would definitely say that's far from God. You need life in Christ. And the only way that works is by the Word of God coming and the Spirit of God coming. That is the only thing that happens by the Spirit and through the Word. The Spirit of God uses the Word to make us born again. And we see this with the character of the person, Lydia. She was the first recorded European convert in Christ. She became a Christian when the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. No man, woman, or child has ever come to faith by any other route. It was always and always will be the Spirit creating faith by means of the Word. That's what we believe needs to take place even within the Pemina Valley. You know what the vision of our church is? It's very simple. We want to bring the Word and ask the Spirit to move in the hearts of everyone within the Pemina Valley. You know, a lot of people, they, they grow up in the faith and they walk away from church and they walk away from faith. And they have a variety of reasons to do that. Sometimes maybe they have good reasons and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's because something that somebody did to them and sometimes it's because something they were doing in their own life. Whatever the reason, people walk away from church and they walk away from faith. And they're dry. They're brittle, brittle, and they're crumbling, and they need hope. That's what we want to do. We want to reintroduce people to Jesus. Reintroduce them to the Word of God and what it says about what it means to be in right relationship with Jesus. And that out of that right relationship with Jesus, we then live a life, as Paul calls, worthy of the calling. That's what we do. And in a life worthy of the calling is a life that is acting in obedience to Jesus. And part of that is reaching out to other people with the Word of God and desiring the Spirit to move in people's lives. That's our call as a church in reaching the Pemina Valley. So whether it's back in the time of Ezekiel or in this very day, a new start with God is only possible when dead people hear the Word, the message of Christ and are regenerated by His Spirit. That's it. The Valley of Dry Bones is a message to a broken, decimated people who need their God to move on their behalf because it's the only way they're going to get back or get to what they need. And the same is true of us today. The only way a decimated, dry, brittle, broken people are going to get where we need to be which is restoration with Jesus, is by hearing His Word and by receiving His Spirit. And that's it. It is that simple. And so if you're a person who is in need of anything like that, if that resonates with you, if you're feeling distant from God, if you're feeling like maybe God's just angry at you, if you're feeling as though uh, there's no way you can come back to Him, if you're feeling dry, brittle, drained, exhausted, worn out, no hope, contact us. Let us know. We want to be there with you. We want to walk with you. We want to be an encouragement to you. We're going to challenge some things, encourage other things, but we want you to have life in Jesus. And that happens by hearing his word and having his spirit in you and surrendering to that. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time here. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would recognize that at any given point, we may be people who are far from you. 
And so, Lord God, would we be a people that would surrender to coming close to you, that we would hear your word, obey your word, that we would desire your breath of life to move in us so that we are regenerated. I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for the work that you desire to do in our lives. In your holy and precious name I pray, amen.